right, welcome back to the big program. Just before we get to Mark Spector, let's welcome in our Monday co-host, Lorianne Munzer, fresh off her European vacation. Was it like the Griswolds for you over there? Uh, <laughs> in some instances, yes, but uh, it was pretty smooth. It was pretty cool. You had lots of fun? I had a blast. We had sunshine. We had great weather. Looks like you got some tanning, like some sun on you here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing the sunshine back. Well, yeah. I heard you guys had snow. We did. Well, you missed out. Well, the weather's been okay. There was a week there when you were gone. It was a little nippy. Oh, minus Her. 10, minus 11. Yeah. So where did y'all go? Uh, we flew to London first. So that was our first stop. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet a gal that I have been working with for four years on oh. Zoom. And I got to meet her live. She gave us a tour just all around Trafalgar Square, Buckingham Palace. Um, it was amazing. And then we were there for two days. We went to Greece. So we started in Athens. And of course, I had to go back to the Parthenon. Yes, you had to. Uh, that was amazing. It has changed in 23 years. Mm-hmm. They have reconstructed and built so much more of the Parthenon. They also opened up the area where we were able to explore hmm. six more sites, which was really cool. Then I went to Santorini, toured around on a Vespa. Oh best way to see an island is by Vespa. You can stop, you can start, get on, get off, go everywhere. So we went from one tip of the island, um, Fira, to the north end, Ia, which is amazing. And then we took the boat, the fast boat to Crete and uh, amazing. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. We'll talk about uh, a little more of your trip and how you enjoy things and how glad you are to be back in the studio here. We'll I am. I missed exactly. you guys. I missed everybody. Yeah, for sure. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize, or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector to Sports 1440. Good morning, Spec. On your way to Vancouver? Well, I was on my way to Vancouver mm-hmm. at 7 this morning to get there in time for the morning skate, but uh, my flight got canceled last night about 11, so I'm uh, lucky enough to be able to be in here to join oh, you on the show, Kevin. Yes. So are you get, catching a later flight this afternoon? Yeah, uh, 1 o'clock flight, so I'll miss the skate. I'll get in for the game. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. just the way it is now. I would say uh, I've had more flights canceled in the last two seasons really than in the previous 20 seasons before that like it's is a, there a reason why is there, is there a reason i don't why? know it's post-covid nothing's what it used to be pre-covid hmm. and i'm just i'm just a guy with a small sample size but i've flown a lot in my life mm-hmm. and i've had not that many cancellations and 90 percent of them have come in the last you know two and a half years wow so it is. I don't don't ask me why, but it, that's how it is. Yeah, it's kind of you know, you'd like to kind of wonder why again if it's just happened for you just recently compared to and you're you're, you're a multi million flyer like multi million miler, aren't I you? So, lots. I'm not. Yeah. You know, whatever. But anyway, I'm not going to complain. It's uh, a wise stewardess, Kevin, once said to me, "It's better to be." on the ground wishing you were in the air than to be in the air wishing you were on the ground. <laughs> Maybe we need to get you a plane, Mark. I, yeah. I think we should get you one. A PJ. Yeah. Private jet yeah. for the spec. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Brought to you by Booster Juice. Maybe you can just borrow. <laughs> I'm in. Borrow Let's do it. <laughs> well, at least you're missing the morning skate, so I don't know. There's been so much negativity around this team, and Lorianne, we're just kind of talking about it in the break. How do they get some positivity? And we know, yeah, we'll win a couple games, but it's, I haven't seen like this for a long time. How would you kind of sum it up, the, the, the feeling with this team right now? 
Yeah, it's it's the you know Rome's burning here uh, for sure. Um, I've you know uh, there's a lot of things we haven't seen. We haven't seen an Oilers team come into a season being the consensus Stanley Cup favorite in 30 years. You know, we'd never seen mm-hmm. that before. Even the last couple of years, they've been good, but they weren't always picked to win the cup. There was someone better. This year, a lot of people picked them to win the cup. We've never seen it, and they've never seen it. We've never seen only once in their history a team start this poorly in its first 10 games, only once. Mm-hmm. So that's something we've never seen. And now what we've never seen is a team that has this much talent that that can't figure it out. You know, a team, a team where the two top scoring players in the last – um, you know, five years haven't scored a goal in, you know, five and seven games respectively, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and a team that has, is very deep in talent that can't score and, and can't defend. So there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen around here right now, Kevin. Lorraine? If you were the coach, Mark, and you would say, hey, guys, as a team, what's one thing would you say we got to change? Oh, one thing we've got to change. I mean, the one thing, you know, there's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you can say that, Lorianne. I don't, every day they're going over the mistakes they're making defensively. And the guy that made yesterday's mistake changes it. He doesn't make today's mistake. Another guy makes today's mistake. And then they correct that guy. And then the next guy makes tomorrow's mistake. So one thing you know, could you look at your goaltenders and snap your fingers and say, make more saves? I mean, you're asking them to make more saves. Are they delivering? They're not delivering. Uh, Darnell Nurse is your top defenseman, and and all the things that people don't like about his game, the one thing he's usually pretty good at is winning physical battles in front of his goal. He got beat for two of them the other night by Ryan O'Reilly. So I'd change that. I don't expect that to happen again tonight. So there is no one thing, right? As, as Connor McDavid said the other day, it's death by a thousand cuts. That's what's going on here right now. I, I, w- I would challenge. I would challenge on that because I think there's one thing that can change. And everybody right. has this. I, attitude. Attitude is everything. And I keep hearing, yeah, we keep going over the mistakes. We keep going over the mistakes. In my work when I'm not here uh, on the air with Kevin is mindset mindset is everything and if you keep going over and over and over all the stuff that you're doing wrong all the stuff that is bad i guarantee you guess what you're going to get you're going to get all the crap stuff all the bad stuff what about instead let's flip it to the opposite and let's focus on all the good i know every player on this team has something great about them. They do incredible work. There's 10,000 kids that want a spot like what all of the team has. And it's like when you start focusing on whatever it is, it's an energy thing, right? It's, It's that mental aspect of whatever you think about, you bring about. And repetition, the guys do the lines, you do the drills. Why do you do that? To get better. And when you focus on the good stuff, it has to come out. It may take a little bit of time, but you got to change what you're thinking about. And number one, flip it in an instant is your attitude. If you've got a crappy Mm -hmm. attitude, you know exactly where it's going to go. And and the person hasn't said anything. You see somebody walk into the room, they're tall. They're like, oh man, they got the energy. Let's like 
bring a bonfire to the pilot light because <laughs> the pilot pilot light is is lit. But there's no desire. There's no fire. You've just got this little flame. I loved uh, Eddie Steele. Mm-hmm. You, Kevin, and Eddie, they were talking about the dogs, man. You got to get yeah. in the fight. That's the energy. Yes. So having said all that and some good points by Laurie Ann Speck, do you, oh. I, I mean, the answer's in the room here. Do you believe that? Or do you think something has to change personnel-wise, you know, whatever else behind the bench, things like that? Uh, I mean, the answer pretty much has to be in the room. The the history of of blockbuster National Hockey League trades in the cap system made in November, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a list that's about. I can't even think of of one of you know to start the list, Kev. Yeah. Right. You know that in the cap system, there's no big trades in the, or this early in the season. No. They don't happen. You can't trade Jack Campbell in five million dollars, <laughs> right? Yes, it doesn't happen. So I think if it's not in the room, they're in trouble. The only thing you can sure history tells us that when you bring in a new coach, you uh, you get the new coach bounce. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, that's what history tells us that you often win a few games in a row. I'm not here telling you that it's Woodcroft's fault and they should fire Woodcroft. That is not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm sticking with Woodcroft for a little while longer here, and then I'm going to have to make a hard decision if it's not going well. Um, but no, I think Kev, the answer has to be in the room here. There's no, it's the old cliche is there's no cavalry coming over the hill. Mm-hmm. And in the national hockey league and the cap system, there is just is no cavalry coming over the hill in form of a trade. It doesn't happen. I kind of asked Derek Van Deest a similar question spec, just about special teams. And maybe last year, the power play masked some of their performance. You know, it was almost an automatic that you were going to get a power play goal per game. And it was 33% last year, whatever, 32.5 or something. It's 25% now. It's small sample size, smaller. But maybe that's something that they were relied upon too much last year to mask performance, mask results. Is that a fair assessment, Speck? Yeah, there was time. There were certainly the first ten games of the year last year. They they said that they they said exactly that mm-hmm. our power play made us look better than we were. Then they went three and seven, and they figured some stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think having McDavid and Drysail producing at the level they produce at masks some things, right? You know, now look at them. McDavid and Drysail aren't producing, nor is is anybody on the third or fourth line. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, the, so sure, like there's, there's, it's, it's weird to say there's problems with having the best power play in the history of the league and having the best two players, but there are dynamics that it makes. And one of them is you play those top two guys when they're scoring, you play them lots cause you want the goals. And when they're struggling, you play them lots cause you're trying to get them out of it. And in the meantime, whoever the poor suckers are in your fourth line, they never get to play. And they have zero impact. So now we're looking at your third line and saying, let's go, boys. And, you know, what's happened with McLeod and Holloway and uh, whoever else has been on that line have not mm-hmm. accomplished a single thing all year. Ryan McLeod has been an abject failure this season. Mm-hmm. Young guy, let's go, son, because it is not he's not helping one bit. Zero. Mark Spector with us, Carius Munzer, Sports 1440. I've always been a firm believer, Speck, of upward push in the lineup. No one wants to play on the fourth line. They all, I don't want to be a fourth liner. So you play harder to get up to the third line. And then in you're, in you're on the third line, you go, 
I don't want to be on the third line, and I don't want to be going down to the fourth line. So you're constantly pushing that that pace to set something else up for the, the line ahead of you to get into the lineup and to play more, get more minutes, contribute more. But when, yep. when you have zero of this happening from the from the 13th forward to the 12th to the 9th, there, it's just almost like a recipe for disaster. It is. They've, they've got one kind of a couple guys going and they're pretty much on the second line. Evander Kane's been leading this team here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. And and I've said on your show many times, Kevin. I think I think the the way this team gets coached and run works against what you just said. There is no fourth line here. Mm-hmm. They go to the, every game at eleven and seven to start with, right? Yeah. You know, Derek Ryan scored. Did he score twelve last year? I think uh, so. Yeah, twelve. With or- no power play time. Always on the fourth line, right? Crappy ice time. Doesn't play much. Got 12 goals for you last year. Would that get him? He got a contract, okay. He went in, got a two-year, you know, not too expensive deal. But now he's back to being on the fourth line and barely playing. 13 right? goals he, last year. He, he's doing what you said, Kev. Mm-hmm. He's pushing and pushing and pushing. And his reward is he starts every game as an orphan winger with some other guy, and they barely play. So I don't love that much. There, there is no fourth line on this team. Mm-hmm. And as such, there is no push from the fourth line on this team. So, what do you think happens tonight, Spec? Oh boy, it's you know I, I think you look at it. Let's look at it positively, right? Vancouver's the team that kicked you in the teeth to start the season. <laughs> you know, you lost eight one the first night in there, and now you're going back in, and it's time to put your big boy pants on and say, okay, you know what? These guys they beat us twice already. They they've put a dent in our season. Let's go. This mm-hmm. is time for the Oilers to stand up for themselves a little bit. Uh, well, Vancouver's a team you're supposed to have been yes. beaten this year, and they've been beating you. So I would say this is a good opponent for Edmonton and a good moment to sh- for them to show everybody what they're made of. Well, hopefully you catch your flight spec and get there in time for the game tonight. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, there's no promises, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll chat with you tomorrow morning. Are you so are you flying from Vancouver to San Jose tomorrow, or what do you? No, doing? no, no. No, the orders have a, the orders have an off day tomorrow, uh, scheduled long ago. Okay, an off day in Vancouver tomorrow. I believe they're probably doing their uh, rookie mm-hmm. dinner or something tomorrow night in Vancouver, and then they will practice. Today's Monday. They'll practice Wednesday in Vancouver okay. and then fly to San Jose where they play Thursday. Oh, so you've got uh, a great couple of days in Vancouver. Well, I'll get it. Yeah, I'll have a couple of days in Vancouver. I'll catch their practice and fly Thursday. So oh, you, I can just, uh, you'll be going for those long walks along the shoreline. And well, I'll be getting up at 7 a.m. to do your show each of the next two days. So I got to do something afterwards. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Peck. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks, Laurie. That's uh, Mark Spector on the mark, powered by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, we'll check in with Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. It's Carius Munzer, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. 822 in Edmonton. Kevin Carius, Laurieann Munzer. Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped. Sports Talk Radio is back for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Matt. You're with Kevin Curious and Lori Ann Munzer. Thanks for coming on this morning. 
Kevin and Lorianne. It is an honor to be on. How are you doing? Well, we're doing just great. We're doing just great. Not like the a couple of Canadian teams, one of them the Oilers. Can you give us an outsider's perspective of what you think is going on and what's, I guess, not going on here in Edmonton? Well, I think I could give a sermon on what's going on <laughs> in Edmonton because there are so many storylines here. But what I have been telling anyone who's wringing their hands is, hey, Jay Woodcroft cannot stop the puck. He cannot put on the goalie gear and take to the ice. And the Edmonton Oilers have the worst team save percentage in the entire NHL. If you look at the way they've driven play, they haven't actually been that bad. They just cannot get a save to save their life, pun intended. And I think that's the biggest contributor to what's happening so far. They are giving up a lot of high-danger chances. And the other thing I'm wondering, this is less tangible, more just an observation, is Connor McDavid actually healthy yet? Mm Did he rush back because this team is obviously off to a bad start? And would he benefit from maybe sitting another couple of games just to get right? It might be worth it, and that's one thing I'm wondering about. Cool. Really great to meet you, Matt. Um, if you're thinking about it, like looking at it from a positive angle, what are you seeing? Well, I, I really do think, and again, I, I'm not the type of person that uses analytics for everything, but I do think in conjunction with what you're seeing with your eyes, they can help. And with the Oilers, what we're seeing is they are generating a lot of chances. They're actually near the top of the league in terms of driving the play. So theoretically, if they can get their goaltending back on track, the wins should start coming. And that's why, despite the record, I'm not actually that worried about them. To me, the greater concern is actually Connor. Is he okay? Is he feeling rushed? And would he benefit from that little bit of time off? And because we know what he's capable of when he gets on one of those heaters, he can be an absolute world beater, like no player this generation. And I do wonder if that's actually the key to unlock the season, to go backward, to go forward. And when I say go backward, I mean sit Connor for a few games mm-hmm. and then have him back in that true supernova mode. And then the team can go on a run as we get into November and into December. He looks off. There's no question about that, as we guess with Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff, Carius Munzer, 1440. If Jay Woodcroft is on a little bit of a hot seat here in Edmonton, you could probably say the same thing about DJ Smith in Ottawa. What's your take on that, Matt? Yeah, I don't think there is a hotter seat in the league, and I even mm-hmm. wrote about it this morning. Will DJ Smith survive the week? We know Michael Adlauer, he did speak out and give sort of a vote of confidence to DJ Smith last week after Pierre Dorian got the axe, but I still believe if this team keeps piling up the losses and getting booed by their own fans, I think you're going to have to make a change. And to me, with Ottawa, I believe there should be an urgency to make that change. We had a poll on Daily Faceoff over the weekend Mm -hmm. with six different staffers. It was unanimous. We all said that DJ Smith needs to go because there is still time to save this thing in Ottawa. They have a lot of talent on that team. And statistically, if you look at teams that make that coaching change before Christmas, even before Thanksgiving, it does create that bump, whether it was Mike Sullivan with Pittsburgh in 2015-16 season. We saw Ken Hitchcock do it with St. Louis 10, 12 years ago. We saw Craig Berube do it when he came in, took over with the Blues. Obviously, Rick Tockett came in late last season. You get a bump for some reason. And, of course, as you all know, Jay Woodcroft is a a prime recent example, too. You do get that change in culture, that new voice, and it, it tends to work on NHL players for whatever reason. So if I'm Ottawa, I feel like there should be urgency to make a change. DJ Smith has had a lot of rope. He's been there for something like 300 games, has never even seen a playoff game as a head coach. And you don't want that losing culture baked in over a long period of time. So I do think we could and should see a change soon. We're with Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. 
Uh, Brady Kachuk kind of went off the other day. Like, is he, DJ Smith, and the players, are they on the same page here? And kind of just speak to what you got out of when Brady Kachuk had some, uh, I guess, some outspoken comments. Yeah, it was shades of Phil Esposito in 72, <laughs> as everyone was saying, right? And you could see that. And I don't think it was really Brady chastising the fans. I think he was just expressing frustration. Obviously, he's a pretty emotional leader. I think he's someone that, that the, the players really rally around on that team. So I'm not too surprised to see him trying to, to jumpstart things. In terms of a, a disconnect between team and player, it, it's strange because, at least from what I've heard, it's always been, okay, well, the problem isn't work ethic. This team is still working as hard as they can. So that would suggest buy-in. But when the results just aren't there, I don't think that matters anymore. And the example I always go back to is Jeff Blashill with the Detroit Red Wings. So I think kept him around way too long. When you have sort of that caretaker coach that comes in at the beginning of a rebuild, they just I think the team can get really used to losing. It can become like a warm blanket a comfortable blanket with that coach. And eventually you need to make that switch and bring in the fresh voice. So I don't think the players, at least from what I understand, I don't think there's a massive disconnect. I don't think they hate playing for DJ Smith, but it's just not working. And even if you like the guy, the results aren't there. This is a team that's supposed to be making the playoffs or at least challenging hard this year. And you need to get there this year. Lorian, so, yeah. Matt, with, with, when you're talking about a disconnect with the players, do you think sometimes that it's a combination of like who's on the line of working together? Because you always know that there are players that they just gel together. There's an energy about them and they just elevate the game. And then you, you put in a different player and it doesn't add to the game or the play, right? It takes away. Do you think switching it up with some of the players could also create a change here? It can, but I think when you're needing to make those adjustments and if they're not going well, it, it does fall on the coach. It's the coach's responsibility to take the pieces he's been given and find a way to make them work. And we're already starting to see a little bit of juggling going on in Ottawa. If I remember correctly, Drake Batherson got moved down to the bottom six. So if you can't find the combination that works, I think you do have to point to the coach as the source of the problem. Yeah, that's the way I would assess it at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt Larkins, our guest from Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. You're with Kevin Carius and Lorianne Munzer, the former Olympic medalist, gold medalist. So anything else catching your eye around the league as far as, you know, I guess we're a month in, almost a month in here, Matt. Is there something that's catching your eye across the league that maybe you were surprised at in the first month besides the Oilers and whatever else here? But is, uh, is there something that you're kind of keeping tabs on right now? Yeah, I think if there's one thing that has knocked my socks off, it's the play of the Boston Bruins. Because mm-hmm. last year, of course, the greatest season, regular season in NHL history, they lose so many pieces this offseason. Patrice Bergeron, Taylor Hall, David Krejci, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dimitri Orla. The list goes on and on. And I think a lot of pundits, myself included, I didn't think Boston was going to miss the playoffs, but I thought it was going to be close. I thought they were going to be in tight. And I thought they were going to regress significantly. And to see them not just doing well, but absolutely dominating mm-hmm. again on pace to even beat last year's record, which is just, it just remarkable to me. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to Coach Jim Montgomery for taking basically a different group of people mm-hmm. and getting them to play as well as the group he had last year. I did not see that coming. And it's been, to me, the number one surprise of the season. What about Detroit? What have you liked about the Red Wings' start? Yeah, I think Detroit, I'm not overall the biggest believer in what Steve Reiserman's done in the last couple of summers. Mm. To me, he kind of spent a lot on 
mid-tier veterans. And I think he was trying to, you know, he was being really patient with that rebuild, but then tried to accelerate it. And I think when you have those mid-tier players, they can get you to a certain spot. They can make you better, but how high is the ceiling? So that was my concern going into the season. It was, yes, of course, Detroit added a lot of pieces, but are they going to be enough to help you really down the road? But I think the exception to what I'm saying there was bringing in an actual top-end player in Alex Dabrinkit. Mm-hmm. And I think he has potential to be their best goal scorer, I, I said before the season, since Marion Hossa, the one year they had Marion <laughs> Hossa. And I think it was 07-08. He was the last Red Wing to score 40 goals, maybe even the last to score 35. So having that new threat on the first line, I think, has changed the dynamic of the team. They can threaten in a different way. They have a higher ceiling in terms of what they can do game to game when they have someone that dangerous on the ice. So I do think it's elevated them. I'm still not the biggest believer long-term. I still like what, let's say, Buffalo has long-term more or, or Ottawa in terms of those teams that are in the same tier. But undeniably, this team is getting better. Detroit. So what are you making of the Leafs here, Matt? <laughs> the Leafs? Well, it's not a good sign that I just laughed, right? But um, I predicted going into the season that they would be messy. Um, I think the change in the way they're built, they're trying to build them to win in April and May. And that's going to mean giving away a few regular season wins. They've been a dominant regular season team several years in a row now. Uh, but obviously it hasn't translated to those deep playoff runs. And I think they've got a little more uh, moxie, a little more sandpaper for the most part. Um, but in terms of the actual territorial play, they're going to be a weaker defensive team. That's what I said going into the season, and I do think that's what we've seen so far. I think they're just a sloppier team, a messier team. And I think I, it wasn't me who said it, but I agree with it. I read this somewhere this morning that mm-hmm. you know, it's not a great sign when Austin Matthews has a goal a goal per game and you're still barely at 500. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's going to be more of a turbulent season, and the big question is how hot will Sheldon <laughs> Keith's seat get if you're going into mid-November, late November, and yeah. you're still around that 500 mark. And I do think that's why Toronto brought in an experienced assistant coach in Guy Boucher. They have that turnkey option ready. Matt Larkin's with us on Sports 1440. On the other side of the spectrum, and me, we mean the other side, Matt, San Jose Sharks. They are putting up a season for the ages, all for the wrong reasons. Can you believe what's going on? They've only, the, the Sharks have only scored 12 goals. That's... I don't even know how you can put this into perspective. Well, I can't believe it. And this is this is funny. It sounds like on the show today, I'm just tooting my own horn. But you're just you, you happen to be hitting a lot of predictions <laughs> that I happen to make. So you're making me look good. Oh, good man. I'm not always right, but I did say going into the season, I said the San Jose Sharks are absolutely awful. They're going to be the worst team in the league by far. I did hate what I saw <laughs> on paper in terms of what they put together. And my reasoning was. The Sharks had their worst season in, uh, I think, almost three decades last year, and that was with the Norris Trophy winner on the team. So if you take a team that bad and you remove the 101-point-scoring defenseman, how bad is the team going to be now? So I was expecting them to be awful, but despite that, they've still exceeded my expectations. And I was joking over the weekend that you know, they're, they're practically making a case for relegation. It's pretty embarrassing <laughs> at this point, and... I just don't know where the end is going to be in terms of this, this plummeting toward rock bottom. I, I think they are going to challenge to break some futility records this year. It's absolutely incredible the, the numbers that they're putting up with a minus 43 goal differential. The one point that the Sharks did pick up this year, an overtime loss to Colorado, Mackenzie Blackwood had 53 saves. I mean, it's just crazy. 
And it's unbelievable because to me, a hallmark of the NHL in the salary cap era has been the parody. And, and mm-hmm. when I say parody in the context of bad teams, it's that the worst team in the league can still beat the President's Trophy winner on every given any given night, right? That's sort of why it's really tough to bet on hockey because anybody can win. But it seems like the Sharks are contradicting mm-hmm. that notion. I feel like they're reaching a new level of bad in which they cannot be that team that's competitive on any given night. They're giving up 10 goals in a game, two games in a row. Just unbelievable. And uh, I don't know, what's what's the over-under now on how many games they can win this season? Can you picture them winning 10? I don't know if I can. I, I don't know either. That's crazy for sure. Hey, Matt, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for checking in, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. My pleasure chatting with you both. That's Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff and our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. When we come back, we will have former oiler Fernando Pisani. I'm sure, Lorianne, you're looking forward to this little chit-chat. You never met Fernie. I've never met him, no. Um, he was the toast of the town in 2006 when the Oilers went on their Stanley Cup run. Mm-hmm. Uh, unbelievable playoff. Everything was going in for him. So, and now he's working for the Montreal Canadiens. So we will uh, talk with Fernando Pisani when we come back. It's Carius Munzer on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Yeah, Green Day, the Great Cup. That's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. CFL playoffs yesterday was, or pardon me, on Saturday. So now we're all set for the East and West Finals. BC, Winnipeg, Montreal, and Toronto should be good next week. Uh, let's check in with uh, our old buddy, Fernando Pisani, and we are going to elevate our game with Fernando. And Elevate Our Game is brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Elevate Your Game, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of, again, Installing an elevator in your home or a lift, you can learn more at TrustRam.com. As we welcome in Fernando Pisani, Fernie, you're with Kevin Curious, Lorianne Munzer. Good morning, big fella. Hey, how's it going? Oh, good, good, good. Good to talk to you, Fernie. And uh, you're busy now. What's, uh, can you tell our listeners what you've been kind of doing with, um, you know, moving on to another stage of your life and doing uh, things uh, on the National Hockey League level and just uh, describe what, you're, what you've been doing in the last little bit here? Uh, well, I took a position with Montreal doing some uh, amateur scouting. So I've uh, been on the road watching lots of WHL, AJ games, and uh, just uh, trying to help uh, find the, the next best player out there. So it's uh, it's been definitely interesting and a lot of work and uh, learning lots of uh, lots of things. So it's been uh, it's been fun, but. Very busy, also. So, but it's been it's been good. I can't complain. So, just bird dogging from rink to rink. What's that like scouting these young players? <laughs> you know what? It's uh, it's a lot more involved than uh, than I was kind of anticipating. <laughs> but uh, it, it's been fun. You know, you kind of go to the rink and watch. And uh, WHL games have been lots of fun to watch, mm-hmm. and even the AJ games as well. So, it's been. Uh, it's been good. It's been it's been very busy. Uh, just trying to manage your time with, uh, you know, who to watch next, and then also with my boys playing. Mm-hmm. So just trying to manage and be around for for their games as well. Nice. Um, when you're talking about your your schedule and and doing that, how are you? How do you plan and set out your days? Because your 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 work and and what you're doing has changed. So how are you evolving and making sure that? you know, everything gets done. 
Yeah, um, that's a good question. I still don't know how I'm doing it. I'm trying to uh, look at the schedule, see who's playing, um, check off the guys that I've seen, and then um, try and you know, watch the guys that I haven't seen, obviously. So a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, you know, I flew to Seattle, watched Seattle play. Uh, then next morning, flew to Spokane, watched Spokane play. Then the next morning, flew to Portland watch Portland play uh, and then come home and then, you know, do a couple games. So, um, you know, I have a, I have a brand new respect for um, scouts and, and the work that they put into, um, into what they do. So it's been, uh, you know, it's been tough to, to manage the scheduling and seeing. And uh, thankfully it's, I'm just doing it part-time uh, full-time would be a little too, too hectic and crazy, but um, but it's been good and uh, it's been fun and just trying to watch uh, and, and try and learn and, and kind of, you know, make my notes and, uh, you know, look for certain things and all that kind of stuff. So it's been uh, it's been definitely interesting for sure. Fernando Pisani is with us uh, on the Kevin Carey Show with Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440. Fernie, why do you think so many guys off the teams that you played with here in Edmonton are still involved in some capacity? Guys like, you know, Steve Steos now in Ottawa, Sean Horkoff's in Detroit, rumblings of him going to Ottawa as well. I mean, Ethan Morrow's in Notre Dame. I, you know, I mean, you could go on and on, but there was a lot of guys that are still kind of involved. Uh, that's kind of got to be cool to see. Yeah, I know. it's uh, it's, been, it's been kind of funny because, well, you look at, you know, Horkoff's in, in Detroit, um, you know, Greer's in yeah. uh, San Jose, um, and Billy Guerin, I didn't really, you know, kind of was at camp when – he was there, but uh, yeah, there's lots of lots of guys that have played within uh, you know the Edmonton organization that have kind of gone on to um, you know some pretty pretty good and mm-hmm. uh, unique experiences. So um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I was really happy for Steve to get that position. Uh, you know, I know he's done a great job in Hamilton and uh, and everywhere he's went, he's been kind of uh, you know sought after. So. I was happy for him to get that position. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's uh, taking on quite a bit now with everything that's gone on in the last couple of weeks there. So, um, I, I don't think he was anticipating to become the GM as well. So, <laughs> uh, I'm sure uh, <laughs> he's got his hands full there for a little while. Yeah, Fernando Pisani with us on Sports 1440, and Lorianne's going to kind of chime in here too with a kind of a confidence thing. We're, we'll switch gears to the Oilers right now, Fernie, where they're at. Confidence is low. Uh, Lorianne, can you kind of address what you wanted to ask Fernando about that when kind of comparing it to when he was going well in 06 and things like that? Absolutely. Like you've, you've had an incredible career yourself and you know what it's like when you're on that high note. When you're in a slump, I know that when I was racing, you know, at the international level, when I was at the Olympics, you know, there's a lot of eyes on you. There's a lot of pressure. When you're in a slump... You know, how do you look at it and, you know, get yourself out of that slump? Is there something that you were focused on or something that you would tell, you know, any of the team players that you're working with? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, playing here in Edmonton, there was definitely lots of um, highs and lows and um, the lows definitely do get magnified. And, you know, the team's kind of going through that right now. And fortunately for them, it's still early enough in the season where they can kind of, you know, figure it out. But, you know, it really comes down to just simplifying and winning your one-on-one battles. You know, I think for them, 
um, you know, just just be better than the guy you're going up against and, and win that battle down low or in front of the net or, um, you know, kind of all over the ice. And, and then, you know, hopefully your game picks up from there. But, um, you know, when I, when I was going through tough times, it was just, you know, I'd always pick, you know, three things that I need to focus on mm-hmm. and really just simplify it. If it's just finishing your check or um, being strong defensively, uh, you know, and, and the Oilers are talented enough offensively that, you know, they'll be able to, you know, once they get over the blue line in the offensive zone, that, you know, their creative juices will kind of take over and kind of get them through that. But, you know, the big part for them is just cleaning up their, their D zone and, and winning those battles in the net front and boxing guys out and, um, you know, making plays on the walls and just eliminating the D zone time that they have so that they can just focus on playing uh, in the offensive zone. So that's kind of, you know, it's a very simple solution and it sounds really easy, but, um, you know, when you're struggling and you're, you know, you're, you're kind of scared to want to puck that I think that's where the Oilers are right now is, you know, some of the guys don't, you know, don't want to puck and, um, you know, you just kind of work your way through those, you know, situations. But to me, it's just, you know, when you're one-on-one battle, focus on that and then kind of take your game from there. Fernando Pisani with us in Sports 1440. So wanting the puck, having the puck, man, when you were uh, really feeling it in 2006 playoffs, that must have been how you felt. The confidence was just crazy. You had 14 goals in the playoffs. Just run us through what you were feeling like back then because everything was just going in for you and obviously the team was going well too. Yeah, you know, it was definitely one of those things where everything I, I felt like I was shooting that was going in the net and, um, you know, when you're on those type of highs, you obviously want to, you know, maintain your focus. And, and, you know, I was basically calling for the puck, wanting the puck, uh, getting into situations where, you know, I give myself a higher um, chance to score. Um, but, you know, when you're when you're clicking and your line mates are clicking and, you know, it's just, you know, you feel like you're a step faster. You feel like you're a foot taller. You know, everything kind of roles for you so that, that's kind of the situation that we were in uh, I think collectively as a team so um, but for me personally I felt you know everything that was coming off my stick it was uh, creating a positive situation for sure. Creating that is is absolutely key and I think when you were just speaking there a few minutes ago about simplifying everything it's really breaking it down into just like step by step by step and it's just focusing on one thing at a time um, you know looking at where you were and going back to it, what was the one thing that really set you apart and just, you know, lit your fire there and just where you were going back then? Yeah. You know, I think it was, it's like anything you kind of, um, you, you know, you get that first goal and then all of a sudden you just feel like, you know, things are kind of rolling your way. And uh, I think that's kind of what happened with me. And and when you get into the playoffs, it's just a, a completely different uh, animal. The, the game just intensifies. Uh, you know, every mistake does, or, you know, every situation does. So, um, you know, the intensity is, is that much higher. Um, and, you know, being from Edmonton, playing in front of my hometown, yeah. um, you know, wanting to succeed, wanting to do well, those are all kind of things that were in the back of my mind that I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, I I wanted to have a great experience, you know, being in Edmonton, having, um, you know, missing out of the playoffs by one or two points, you know, years prior, it's, 
you know, it, it's the worst feeling to have. And, and that, that year we were basically, you know, fighting every single game for the last two months to put ourselves in that position to get into the playoffs. And, um, you know, I think the other thing is wanting to make the most out of those situations because, you know, we never really had, you know, those opportunities a ton. So, um, you know, I just think everything kind of intensified and, and you know, collectively we had a very mature group of guys and uh, experienced guys and, you know, we had that blue-collar mentality where, um, you know, we didn't have the luxury of, of having, a, you know, a Leon or a Connor on our team. We had four four lines that and 60 and our goalies that all had to contribute and all had to be at their best night in and night out. So that's kind of... <laughs> our our mentality as a group and collectively and it was just um you know we knew what job had to be done and we knew what it took to do it and you know everybody just kind of embraced that Mm -hmm. you speak about the maturity of you know the age of the guys on the team i know i was 38 when i won gold at the olympics but do you think the experience the maturity of the team is a factor with where where the game is going right now with the oilers yeah, you know, and from from when I left and kind of when I came into the league, the, the league was a lot different in terms of there was only a few young players on the team and most of the guys were, um, you know, veteran players. And, um, you know, I think the league's kind of changed now where it's um, it's a younger, younger group. So I think it's difficult, and I'm not sure if this is kind of where the Oilers are at, but I think you need you need that veteran presence to kind of teach the players and, and teach they are kids essentially coming into the league uh, uh, of how to become a pro and um, you know not just you know you're handing kids millions of dollars and how do they deal with that you know like it's just a, a whirlwind that these guys are exposed to so um, you know you need some veterans guys to kind of come in and kind of guide them and steer them and, and show them okay this is you know, this is kind of what you need to do and, and the work that gets put into it, you know, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well. And, and that's kind of the maturity that we had as a group is, you know, after games, every single one of our guys would be, you know, working out. And, you know, mm-hmm. even if it was a 25, 30 minute bike ride or whatever it was, those were, you know, the little things that, you know, you might not notice in October, but, you know, come February, March, um, down the stretch, you know, I think those things, you know, truly pay dividends for us as well. Fernando Pisani with us on Sports 1440. Uh, text coming in, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 1440 I got a hat at a garage sale signed by Fernando Pisani for $2. Keeping it forever. <laughs> that comes from Andrew Kipling. That thing's got to be worth more than two bucks now, hey, Fernie? <laughs> <laughs> I think you overpaid for that. <laughs> uh, you mentioned your son, uh, Tio, playing in Spruce Grove. What's that like to watch him in the junior ranks now yeah um you know it's it's definitely been fun um i've always kind of been involved in in his hockey and uh coaching him and in some capacity and this is kind of the the first year where i haven't been able to so you know for for me that's been a little bit of an adjustment but um but it's been great it's Mm -hmm. been a good learning experience for him and you know each level that you know he goes to and plays at i you know i try to remind him that you know, it's just another, you know, another step, another element that you have to kind of prepare for. And it's closer to a pro game than, than you've ever played before. Yeah. So, you know, there's going to be opportunities that, you know, you might be in and out of the lineup and you have to be, 
prepared for those situations. But, you know, when you get on the ice, you have to make sure you, you make the most of it. So, hmm. um, so it's been, it's been a good, good experience so far with him. So it's been fun. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been committed to you know, Omaha, Nebraska. So we're okay. pretty excited about that for sure. Yeah. He's young yet. He's just 16, 17, right? Yeah. He just turned 17, uh, about three weeks ago. Wow. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of good to, to go there and, and expose him. We went to uh, do a tour of the school and oh. uh, the facilities, and it's uh, truly an amazing setup for, for those boys, for sure. Hey, Fernie, thanks for doing this. Uh, really appreciate your time. Have fun uh, doing the bird dogging from rink to rink. Dress warmly, yeah. drive safely, do it all. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Okay, thanks, Fernie. That's uh, Fernando Pisani for Ram Elevators and Lifts. Manufacturing the safest elevator since 1987. TrustRam.com. When we come back, top of the hour, Eli Hetlinger, Alberta Golden Bears quarterback, coming off a big win over the U of S Huskies and off to the Hardy Cup. It's Carius Munzer, Sports 1440. Stay with us. First up, though, here's the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.